Live. Hey! Hello. Welcome to the Media Vote Podcast. Welcome to February. It's a Wednesday. It's a February. It's a leap year. So All of these things are true. Extra February day. Yep. And one extra February for y'all this, this month. It is February the 5th, 2020. This is the Media Vote Podcast. If you don't know what the Media Vote Podcast is, thank you for joining us. We are a podcast that's all about movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. We report on the hottest news and thoughts of the newest releases. Um, my name is Matt. Joining me here is Mike. Hi, I'm Mike. He's Matt. This sure. is our Academy Awards prediction episode. Yes, we'll get to that a little later. But yes, this is our last show before the Oscars uh, take place on Sunday. Uh, we have a big weekend ahead of us, so uh, uh, yes, it's been hard to focus really on that. Um, but, but yeah, on some stuff more than others. Yeah, for some people more than others, for some of the things more than others. But yeah, mm-hmm. man, it's been uh, quite a busy time. It's been life right now. one week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so thank you for uh, spending your Wednesday night here uh, with us. If you're not watching us live. Thank you on YouTube.com, um, where you can do so. But yeah, also, you can catch this in audio form, and we'll get to the plugs at the end of the show. But yeah, you know what, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. So, let's get rolling in right into the show. We might as well, since we're starting a little early, we might as well get a head start. Yep. With the weekend box office numbers. All right. So, we had a couple new releases this upcoming week. Yeah, but man, we knew that the tides were not... Like, like that the, the, the change was not going to happen. We saw the new releases and we were like, eh, no, Maybe, none of these. but no? None of these. No, we said no because yeah. Super Bowl is going to just demolish everything. And sure enough, that was correct. People stayed home. Nobody saw movies. Bad Boys for Life rolled over for a third week so, with only $17 million. So is, does this mean Will Smith is once again a box office star? I guess, by default. By default, uh, he is starting off this 2020 yeah, decade success. with a success? With a hit. Because yes, Bad Boys for Life has made $148 million domestic so far. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll hit 150 Yeah. Good for it. Number two, 1917, still getting that uh, Best Picture bump uh, with $9 million, adding to its $119 million. Total. Yep, everyone going to say, going to see it to say, hey, I saw that film. Yeah, so when it wins Best Picture on Sunday... <laughs> Do they, people know what they're talking <laughs> people about. People know what they're talking about. Or at least they can claim they know what they're talking yeah, about. We'll see. we'll see. We'll get to that later. Number three, Doolittle, because people have kids and they need something to see. Um, made another $7 million. That's at a measly 55 domestic. It, I think you mean 55! Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And number four, <laughs> Gretel and Hansel, one of your debuts this week. Yes. The horror version of Hansel and Gretel. Right, which is titled Gretel and Hansel. Six million dollars. Yeah. All right. That was the debut. Yeah. And wrapping up your top five, Jumanji 2 colon the next level, still around. Still around. With six million dollars <laughs> added to it. $291 million total. That thing could hit so 300. That thing will... Skip across three hundred yeah. then in the coming weeks. Yeah, probably Peter. Out maybe, maybe actually, maybe not. It might just hit right under. We'll see. Because coming up this week is gonna be a hit. Yeah. And in case you're wondering about the rhythm section. Oh yeah, that was also a new release. 
this past weekend. Well, it got buried way down at number 10 with only $2.7 million. It couldn't find a rhythm. No, it couldn't find its rhythm. You're right. <laughs> uh, what What's coming this weekend? There's only one, 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 one new film. release. Which is fine because um, it's probably one that uh, at least some people will care about and will go see. Uh, this would be uh, Birds of Prey, the DC <coughs> Comics adaptation <coughs> about Harley Quinn and her squad. Should, uh, should we say the full title at least once? So yeah, I realize it has a like it has a uh, a subtitle, but I don't yes. know the whole thing. Uh, it is Birds of Prey and the Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Okay, got it. <laughs> it's mouthful. It is definitely a mouthful, but I feel like they have to put that so that way you know if you're not watching it, you know oh this is a Harley Quinn thing, not right a new horror film called Birds, Birds of Prey. Of Prey yeah. <laughs> It doesn't really necessarily say what it does on, on by just that name. You're right. right. So, yeah, that's out. Uh, that'll probably be your number one next week. I mean, it has it's to be. such a dead time. Yeah, it, it has, has to, to top $8 million. 17, but yes. Or well, yeah, no, half, half. half. Yes, yes, it will definitely do that. <laughs> All right, so over under so, 40, then. We're not, we don't have to do that. <laughs> Let's save that for the movies that matter. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> That's it for the box office, so let's talk about... I'm just saying, our... normally we put Deadpool around there and right. it demolishes. Yeah, this so. is not Deadpool. I'll tell you right now. Right. Uh, <laughs> before we move on to movie news, did you watch any movies this week? Marriage Story. You finally watched Marriage Story. Did not get to it. <laughs> did not get to Marriage Story. Hey, I had a plan to watch it. Yeah. I was all ready to put it on. And then some sports thing happened on Sunday, yeah. so... So, some sports thing. We'll some get to sports that thing. We'll get to that later. But yeah, no, I also did not, because <laughs> instead of watching a movie, like a Best Picture nominated movie on Netflix, I watched a documentary and a bunch of TV. So, we'll get to that in the TV section. Because the movie is the TV section? Well, so, it's yes, a, it's, it's te- Netflix? technically a movie. So, is it a movie? <laughs> a TV... Or does it belong in the music category? So this is the problem with the Netflix stuff is because they blur so many lines. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so I will keep it for television. Okay. Because it it's a TV movie. Okay. It's not theatrical release. I think that should be our clarification is if it is a Netflix... If it is a Netflix film that is being put out by a movie studio, then maybe we'll consider it a movie. But in this case, this was a Netflix original, like... I'm just saying, because we know. put Irishman up in the movies, but then yes, guess that, that did a get a theatrical right. release. It did technically get a theatrical release. Okay. So, yeah. We're, let's, like, just play... We're playing fast and loose with these terms, but yeah. Yeah, we are. I'll, I'll talk about that in television. All so, right. let's move right into movie news. And yes, of course, we've got to talk about it. The Oscars are Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So, just a little brief intro here in case you didn't know. Um, the Happy Emotion pa- Picture Arts and Sciences have announced they will have a tribute to the late basketball icon Kobe Bryant Aww. during the 92nd Academy Awards. Bryant will be included in the In Memoriam montage, and there may also be a separate tribute planned outside of the montage. Kobe, of course, if you've been following this show won the 2018 Best Animated Short for his short, Dear Basketball, mm-hmm. uh, he, which he wrote, produced, and provided his voice for. The show, uh, the Oscars, that is, will be on ABC on Sunday, February 9th. All right. So, 
Am I going to give you time here to pull, pull a list up? Oh, no, you don't have to. Because a lot of these are pretty much already on lock. Yeah. All we right. pretty much know the acting categories. We pretty much know more or less what okay. those are going to look like. So, best actor. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, Joker. It's t- it's it's tough because that's not how this trail has been. It was originally the favorite. What do you mean? I feel like he was originally the favorite. He won the SAG Awards. Yeah, but didn't he not win the Golden Globe? No, he won the Golden Globe. He won the Golden Globe. Or BAFTAs, I think. I don't remember what it was. But yeah. It was this past weekend. But yeah, no, um, definitely going into this before uh, award season uh, really got started. I saw him as the easy winner. Mm-hmm. It would be weird, though, because it would be the second time somebody's won a Academy Award for Best Actor for playing the Joker. Yeah. Isn't that weird? We as a society should not be okay with this. I mean, I'm not okay with it, but he did... <laughs> Like, make that movie. Wasn't the script. Wasn't the directing. It's like the one thing. But it was thing. the one thing that I could agree on that. And yeah, if Joker wins anything on Sunday, this is his, this is the one trick. Yeah. But uh, who do you think also has a chance here? In Best Actor? Yeah. Uh, Adam Driver for Marriage Story or Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, Leo, perennial loser, except for the one time. Yes. So probably One time he got him. mauled by the bear. Yeah, exactly. He's not mauled by a bear this time, so no. probably not him. Uh, I mean, the other two in the category are Jonathan Price for The Two Popes and Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. So, yeah, so, <laughs> you're probably right. Yeah. It's it's probably Joaquin's to, to lose here. All right. Uh, then for supporting actor, Brad Pitt is yes, won everything on this. I mean, I think even walking out of that film, I was like, isn't Brad Pitt, like, the star of this thing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's won all the supporting actors so far, so put yeah. Brad Pitt down star for that. Star next to Brad Pitt, for sure. Um, for actress, mm-hmm. I think you're going to have to go with Renee Zellweger for Judy. Yeah, it's, it's the prestige pick, it's the biopic pick, mm-hmm. which means that chances are she has an advantage. Yes. Uh, I mean, she's going up against Charlie Theron, mm-hmm. uh, Cynthia Erivo, yeah, Scarlett Johansson, uh-huh. and Cersei Ronan. Yeah, I mean, I really like Cersei's performance in Little Women. Yes, I mean, that movie is so good at like, like working to her strengths, and she's so good in it. Yes, but how many people do you think have actually seen Little Women? Probably less people. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I mean, I probably more people than those have seen Judy. To be honest, you might be right. But then again, people might just be falling in line with okay. Yeah, I guess like, oh, she's playing Judy Garland. She probably did a really good job. Yes, and so that's why. Yes, no, I agree with you. I think this is definitely a a cakewalk. (laughs) And yeah, it would be very surprising if we saw anybody else win. Mm -hmm. And then for supporting actress, uh, your money's probably going to be on Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Yes. Um, your other nominees are Florence Pugh, Scarlett Johansson, Margot Robbie, and Kathy Bates. Yeah, if uh, Marriage Story comes that way with anything on Sunday, this is it. For supporting actress, yeah. Laura Dern. Yeah, I think Laura Dern is definitely your pick. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, best director. Yeah, tough one this year. I 
don't know where this is going. Yeah. My guess is Sam Mendes? So the question is, is it, do you think that your best picture is 1917? Because if that's true, yes. then Sam Mendes probably also takes this. But we could also see a split like last year. Okay, so I can put Todd Phillips out of this category. Hell, yeah, no, he doesn't even need to be here. I could probably put Bong Joon-ho or Bong Joon-ho out yeah. of this category as well because yeah, it's a foreign parasite is a foreign it's, film and they're not going to yeah. give it to it. More of an uphill more, battle. Yes. Same reason why I won't win best picture either. Right. Now the question comes down to Quentin Tarantino, yeah. Martin Scorsese and Sam Mendes. So I think they won't probably give it to Scorsese because of the Netflix connection. They probably yes, but if they're going to give him anything, they would give him director and not be, best yeah. picture. Oh, man. That is the only so, thing there. I guess the question is: is when we're talking possible runner-ups, runners up here, if we're talking if the second place battle potentially is between uh, is between uh, Scorsese and Tarantino, which one do you think is str- stronger of the two? Uh, I think... It's been a while since they've given anything to Tarantino. Yes. But did he deserve it this time? He It's an ode to old Hollywood, which right. Hollywood lo- loves. Correct. And it's also revisionist history. So this is a three, this is a three-way race. Yes. I mean, those are your top three directors yeah. there. Um, that being said, I think you still go with Sam Mendes. Yeah, my gut says... For World War One film. To use your split... Theory, my gut says, is that Tarantino and Scorsese split so many people that Sam Mendes takes it. Yeah. Well, see, the rank vote only happens for Best Picture, yeah. but everything else is the top. It's yeah. just numbered. So I think because you will see a lot of split between these three, Yeah. I think you'll see more split between Quinn Tarantino and Martin Scorsese. Yeah, two very well-known established names. Sam Mendes is more of an up-and-comer, mm-hmm. even though he's been a franchise director for years. Yep. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think that this is his time to be, like, to be given something like this as a jump start. Yep. If it's not him, I think it'll be Tarantino. Really? Because I'm, I'm the opposite. I'd go with Scorsese. Over Scorsese, just, again, just because I think the Netflix connection probably ruffled a lot of feathers. Because it's different from... Yeah, but you can give it to the person and not necessarily yeah. the film. But but I'm saying is that to a lot of the Academy voters, that uh, like a lot of the Academy voters, there probably isn't too much of a difference there. And yes, I know that last year we did have that happen. Mm-hmm. But as much as, you know, as, as like as much as, as a, a, a much better movie <laughs> uh, Roma was, uh, I think that, that Scorsese is still a better known director. And I think that his ties and, like, he'll be seen as kind of a traitor. Uh, maybe. So, yeah, I think Tarantino probably, if not Sam Mendes. But, yeah, Sam Mendes is probably the lock. Okay. Um, moving on to music score. Score! Uh, Star Wars, 1917, Joker, Little Women, and Marriage Story. Uh... So Joker has the previous win because... Golden Globes, Gold, I think, gave it to Golden it. Golden Globe, Yeah. The Golden Globe went to them. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, the, there was that theory that we floated a few weeks ago about this might be the career-capping John Williams to give it to John Williams. Yes. Um, and I think hmm. the 
the... <laughs> We're really flummoxed by this year, aren't we? Yeah. I feel well, like there's a lot of these categories where it's just like, who the hell knows? Right. I mean, I'm going to go with Star Wars because really? okay. it is... the John Williams has said this is the last time scoring Star Wars. Yeah, but... I think the only time he's ever won was the first one. Yeah. And that was it. I just... I don't feel like it was memorable at all. I don't remember... No, but it's a Star Wars score. Yeah, it's serviceable. Yes. Is the problem. So I say... And and it's John Williams, and it's probably his last time. My gut says they won't do it. Uh, I think we had this thing (laughs) last year with... uh, uh, well, who was it? I don't remember. Uh, oh, Alan Silvestri. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and they didn't Did, give it to him. Yeah, so I don't think I so don't think that's why you think Joker will get it. I don't know if it'll be Joker, but I don't know if it's going to be Star Wars. Okay. That I don't know enough about. For all we know, 1917 could be your winner here. <laughs> Thomas Newman over Randy Newman. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Best animated feature. Toy Story 4, Missing Link, Claws, How to Train Your Dragon, and I Lost My Body. So, Only not one... knowing two out of these, I have no idea about the, yeah, the two. The kind of... Claws or I Lost My Body? Yeah. What I've been noticing is that Toy Story 4, surprisingly, is getting a lot of attention right now. Really? Yes. Toy Story 4 was just put out on Disney Plus this yeah. past weekend. I say this race is between Missing Link and Toy Story 4. It depends on how much of the Academy is going to vote for the Disney film mm-hmm. and how much are going to actually vote for the one they liked. <laughs> right. So I think that, the, yeah, I think that, yeah, if it's if if the Disney stands don't show up, this is Missing Link, just like it was in the Golden Globes. But we'll see. I think you might see a lot of people who saw that Missing Link one and was like, oh, we don't want that. We got to vote. <laughs> and they'll pick... Yeah. Toy Story 4. Yeah, Toy Story 4 is strong here. I think in the absence of another Disney film, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it has to it has a, an advantage of just by being Disney. Right, but Leica has or Missing Link has the advantage for being Leica. And it has a win. So, and it has a win. Yeah, so And it's stop motion. It's those two, but my gut says Missing Link. All right. I think Missing Link as well. Okay. All right. Watch us be both be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best documentary feature: uh-huh. Ed, The Edge of Democracy, For Sama, Honeyland, American Factory, and The Cave. Do you know anything? No, about any I don't of these? know anything about these. So this is going to be a wild card. I think The Cave is the only one I know it's the of. The only one I've heard of of all of them is The Cave. Right. Is there a reason why we know what that is? Uh, it was a war movie, I think. Okay. It was either that or was uh, the uh, the what was it the miners story? No, maybe that was American Factory. <laughs> Who the hell knows? Uh, we're going with the cave. I guess sure. All That's right. the one we recognize. Right, uh, Parasite for best foreign language film. Don't have to yeah, go through that. We don't need to go through those. That will win. Yep. All right. Uh, screenplay. Your category then. So, I. You can read the nominees anyway, but yeah, I have my picks. I know you have your picks, but uh, best original screenplay, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, Knives Out, and 1917. So, this should be Knives Out. Yes, you declared it a while ago. Yeah, but now as we get closer, I'm getting getting a little nervous about it. 
because if they don't give Tarantino director, they have to give him screenplay. And they kind of always yeah. give him screenplay. So that's probably the favorite here <coughs> is Tarantino screenplay. Uh but man, would it be so good if Ryan Johnson took this? Ryan Johnson. Ryan. Yes. <laughs> it's Ryan. I know it's Ryan. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's really those two. And well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Ryan Johnson win. I would. I would also love to see Ryan Johnson win. But if I was a betting man, Tarantino wins. Right, but I was also a betting man at the Super Bowl, and I chose <laughs> poorly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> Uh, so Knives Out and then yeah. Adapted Screenplay Jojo Rabbit Little Women The Irishman Joker and The Two Popes this is tough this one's a tougher uh, battle than I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. uh, I think well the only one I've seen out of these is of course Little Women I think it's a very strong adaptation she does a lot of cool things with the presentation of a familiar story that she knows a lot of people will already know the beats of. Yeah. And so that is impressive to me. But I don't know if it's going to be enough to win. What do you where are you going with this one? I am kinda leaning towards Jojo Rabbit because uh-huh. I've heard nothing but good stuff about it. Yeah. However, I don't think most people know that it is an adapted work. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's also not something a lot of people have seen. Right. I think you might be onto something with Little Women. Because it is a well-known work and something that got uh, nominated for Best Picture. Right. That being said, so does The Irishman and so did The Joker. So, the thing about Joker is that I think it'll be... Some people's pick, just because of, if you're going to vote for two things, it's going to be the script and it's going to be Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if The Irishman has a chance here, because Scorsese movies aren't known for their scripts. Right. And as I said with The Joker, this is a terrible script. <laughs> right. And obviously, yes, we, we know that it's not great. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't... It's tough, because, like... As much as I want to believe that Little Women can win, like, I'm worried about... I don't know. I'm worried that it can't get the, get the votes. Get the numbers. So... But yeah. Uh, but, but you may have convinced me that maybe it is the winner. I think it is the winner. I think... Yeah. I want to put my money on Little Women. Okay. Yeah, we, we can lock that one. All right. Um, that leaves cinematography. Roger Deakins. Don't have to say anything else. Deke! And then Best Picture. I mean, yeah, my gut says 1917. But yes. if your split theory is correct, it could be Once, once Upon a time, time in Hollywood. Because it's not split, it's ranked. Right. It's not everyone's favorite, but it is everyone's right. second or third favorite. And so, yeah, if, 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 yeah, if you have 1917... If you have a lot of people put 1917 low... Because yeah. oh, it's just a World War Two film, a World War One film. <laughs> We've seen this already. Yeah. Or Irishman. Oh, it's another Scorsese film. Or it's yeah. a Netflix it's film. It's a Netflix film. Rank that low. Right. Marriage Story. Netflix film. Rank it low. Yeah. Parasite. Like... Foreign film. Yeah, rank right. it low. Yeah. Little Women. Little Women. 
It's an adaptation of something adaptation. we've seen before. Rank it low. Yeah. So, Jojo so, Rabbit. Did who see knows? It. Yeah, no, who no, knows? Seen it. So yeah, by process of elimination, almost it is 1917 or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, and between the two, 1917 is the bombast. It's the period piece. Well, I mean, both are period pieces, but yes. it's it's the war movie. It's the traditional winner. It got the guy knighted. <laughs> yeah, it's the traditional. It's winner. won every other award. It won the Producers Guild. But then on the when other, the directors guild, right? And then, on, but on the other hand, you have Quentin Tarantino has been waiting patiently for a best picture. Yes, and this is nine of ten. And this is and it's yeah, if almost if you don't, done. And it's yeah. and according to Tarantino, it's if you don't give me it for this, <laughs> you're gonna have to give me the it for time. next ten. Otherwise, <laughs> like, are you really as an academy gonna wait to see what number ten is? To yeah. basically, like, hand it to him. Or he's yeah. gotten so close now that you just want to be like, okay, we're giving it to you now, so that way if you somehow screw this up at number 10, it's okay. But my gut still says 1917 because of the trail of awards it will have in its wake. Yes, I know that. But because I, I yeah. just... Because Green Book screwed it up so right. badly, and because Moonlight screwed it up another, so badly... We might have another Green Book scenario. Right. But I'm locking 1917 here. I can't not. I just feel like it's gonna. Happen. I can't. It's inevitable. In good conscience, say <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the best yeah. picture winner. Well, and I can't in good conscience say that. So I I want to. Well, you know, we'll I, the we can meet on Sunday and we'll see who's right. <laughs> I know, but 1917. Yeah, it, it it should it probably will be, but there's that twenty percent chance there yes. that yes, there could be an upset. Yes, and that's what I'm. We got to be ready for upset after last for. year. We got to be prepared at all times. Well, technically, even two years ago, three yeah. years ago. Well, no, I Moon, Moonlight was the de- deserved winner that year. Well, La La Land was a fluke. <laughs> Well, yeah, La La Land was the old, old Hollywood. Right. So, But it didn't win. Yeah. So there you go. So does that mean 1917? Or are they going to try and cor- <laughs> overcorrect that mistake? I'm thinking that there's a lot of overcorrecting going on, yes. especially how they, how they did the nominees this year. Right. So yes, I believe that that is why 1917 wins. Okay. All right. All right. That's it. All right, so those are our top picks for the top awards. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. Uh, we're... No guarantees that if uh, if you're putting money on this, don't listen to us because we have no guarantee. That being said, the past five years we've been doing this. <laughs> done all right. We've, we've at least hit 20. Yeah, we've always hit at least 20. Yeah, between the two of us. Yeah. All right, so we'll see how it goes on Sunday. But for now, we got to move on. No, there's other news. Yeah. There's all another movie story. Uh, this one about SAG-AFTRA and their new series of standards. Ooh, what is the new standard? Well, the Actors Union has released a series of standards and guidelines on the use of intimacy coordinators on film sets to help protect actors from abuse in the wake of the Me Too movement. Under the guidelines, intimacy coordinators would have pre-production meetings with producers, directors, and writers to establish the exact degree of nudity expected and the specifics of simulated sex as established in scripts. Amanda Blumenthal, the founder of the Intimacy Professionals Association, helped create the guidelines and said 
It strikes the right balance between describing the roles and responsibilities of intimacy coordinators while also allowing for flexibility from show to show. This move aims to fight sexual harassment and other sexual misconduct aimed at actors. This is really smart. Yeah. Bring some I thought people. you would like this yeah, story. This is smart because it's like bringing in some people like to kind of curb the the directors maybe like getting a little too overboard with with these scenes. Right, either full frontal nudity or full or the actors themselves. Look at, yeah. In a lot of cases. Although I still question is how much of this is actually necessary when it comes to putting it in film? I mean, it depends like, on the scene, right? Like, yeah. It's going to so wildly vary. I mean, it does depend on, on the scene film. and depends on, like, the tone or where you want to go with the story. Right, exactly. But to just have, like, the gratuitous sex scene in there when you could just easily cut to next morning. Right. It just, yeah, you, you there, there's a lot of questions here about what the, like, the what the need is, and the need is going to vary from film to film. Mm-hmm. But this will help with some of the more, like, maybe, say, darker depictions of uh, what could happen in a sexual encounter. Right. Um, this will kind of keep things safe, keep things um, away from getting too real on camera and putting people in actual danger. I wonder if this is kind of a subtle hint of what kind of films we're going to expect in the next decade. I mean, there's always because, been films with this kind of content. Yeah, but, you know... With films typically minds, yes. exactly. With it's on people's minds, I bet there's going to be a lot of films about this specific subject uh, coming out very soon here. Right, especially taking usually what happens is you take what's happened in the past five years yeah. and you put it to film for the next five years. I mean, I mean, Bombshell yes. just came out. That's a good example of that kind of story. Mm-hmm. So there's just more to come, I'm sure. So yeah, that's an interesting, uh, uh, interesting story because yeah, that'll be really, really good for a lot of situations. Yeah. All right, that's it for movies, and we have no thoughts. So, uh, ooh, yes, I had a quick thought on something, but I don't need to uh, do it now. Do it now. Let's talk about television because uh, we need to talk about sports. Yeah, it was like a quick like movie blurb thing of news story, but that's we had. Let's just move on. we can just move on because we have stuff to talk about. It comes about. to you blurred out, but first we have oh to because talk. I look. I think come across this stuff constantly. You're like, right. oh, I should about that. Oh, no, it's only like a little thing. Uh, oh, that's what it was. What? It was, um, Disney's going to do an adaptation of Hamilton. Yes, they using the, everybody else. <laughs> using the original cast. That's yes. what it was. Yes, apparently it was, it was, a, it's going to straight up be the stage version. Yes. That they just shot before the, 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 the cast broke up for that version of the show. I was listening to radio this morning. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah. And yeah, Hamilton. they, they up at everybody. Uh, Disney will have the rights to that, and it will be 2021, end of the year of 2021. Right, so expect that on probably Disney+, Plus yeah. if it's just going to be the, the stage production. Expect that to be in the conversation uh, for next year's Academy Award. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. All right, let's talk about sports. And, of course... We Nothing were, big happened. The one big thing in sports, of Nothing course. big happened. That thing big. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> The Super Bowl. Yes. Uh, Super One Bowl Super. Live. Yes. Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl Live, Die, Repeat. Yep. Super, Super Bowl, Bowl Live, uh, Pray, Love. <laughs> yep, there was. Uh, Super, Super Bowl, Bowl Live, Tyler. Live, Tyler. Uh, but yeah, Super Bowl uh, 54 uh, happened this weekend. Um, on Super Sunday. Bowl Live, Strong. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Kansas City Chiefs are your Super Bowl champions. Uh, congratulations to Andy Reid for getting 222 wins before yeah. they gave you a friend. <laughs> <laughs> and congratulations to uh, quarterback Patrick, my homie, 
for breaking the Madden curse. I'd like to point out that he did not break the Madden curse. <laughs> as much as people say this, he did not break the Madden curse okay. because, as people seem to forget, in the middle of the year, he got hurt in his ankle for like two weeks, and that's when the Madden curse right. struck. All right. Or, as some people on Twitter have put it, Antonio Brown got hit so hard with the Madden curse that it affected him for two years. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, this was um, um, predicted, as predicted for the most part. Uh, uh, it was funny. Like, who you asked because the 49ers had, were always plus one yeah. or plus a point and a half in um, and it Vegas good. odds. And they looked pretty good in the first half. They looked pretty good uh, for a while there. And then you come back from the, the, the yeah, you come back from the, the Super Bowl halftime show, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the, the Chiefs just die. Right. I mean, the Super Bowl halftime show is a literal 40 minutes of, <laughs> well, an extra. What's normally supposed to be a 10 minute uh, <laughs> yeah. intermission period? It just turned into a 30 minute intermission period. Uh, for and the I think halftime it gave show. a lot of time for the Chiefs to really think about their strategy. Uh, it also gave a lot of time for Kyle Shanahan to overthink his strategy <laughs> yet again as the Kansas City Chiefs scored 21 points yeah. in the fourth quarter to rally a win. <laughs> yes. It was, uh, but yeah, it was an entertaining game. It uh, remained close enough to be interesting up until the very end. Mm-hmm. And I think that that uh, made it a, l- a lot more interesting than last year's game for damn sure uh and yeah that's well, what yeah, we're I mean, talking about more touchdowns were scored and that's not even talking about the halftime show itself oh you you mean the miami strip club so what did you think of uh j-lo and shakira shaking their thangs um uh i would like to point out that shakira yes. wore her zootopia costume i thought that was a nice <laughs> uh-huh. I thought that was a very nice touch yeah uh <laughs> But also that they brought the entire feeling of Miami yeah. uh, to the Super Bowl halftime show. All they needed was a pit bull. And all they needed was cocaine. <laughs> too. Uh, but yes, uh, Bad Bunny making an appearance. And Jay prompting Robin. Both of them. Yes. Uh, prompting all the old people in I was watching it with to say... Who is that? Who is that yeah. and why are they speaking Spanish? No, I, Who hit the sap button? The people I was with uh, are not too much older than me, but I also had to explain to them who they were. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, oh, not only that, but then I had to explain to them that they were two separate people and not the same person <laughs> who did a costume change. Right, yeah, no, it's like, no... And it was funny too because I was like, "Oh, is that Jay Belvin?" And then I noticed right behind him was his name, Jay Belvin. Yes. On the like the screen, I was like, "Oh, that's very convenient. Thank you." <laughs> <laughs> so I knew the first guy was Bad Bunny because I knew Bad Bunny was on that song. Yeah, that's what but, I knew. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, I thought this was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, this I is... thought it was really well choreographed. Just constant dancing. Just cool moment after cool moment. They played the hits. They played the hits. They played I mean, the Shakira, hits. like, shredding on the guitar was awesome. Yes. Shakira shakes uh, her hips. On the, on the frickin' drums was really cool. That was a great shot. Her with that, that weird rope thing <laughs> was like, all right. Yeah. This is what they're doing. Uh, and then, of course, J-Lo on the stripper pole. Which, which time? Like, any time. And yeah, and uh, then you get, and then you get them both just shaking their butts. Yes, as they are once. As do. the gif went around the world, 
<laughs> of them just shaking their butts. So yeah, it was really, really well done. I mm-hmm. enjoyed every every aspect of it. I don't think I liked a, a Super Bowl halftime show this much since the Lady Gaga one. I don't think I've liked it this much since the Prince one. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that. Yeah, which was um, also in Miami. Right, <laughs> the last time. So yeah, um, I thought this was just leagues better than last year's Maroon 5 travesty. Oh yeah, no. They clearly saw that like, whoa, yeah. this is no longer like a, an event. We need to yeah. step up the game. It is of note You can't just put the... someone out there and let them do what they want. Uh, on that note, is this the first, uh, this is the first uh, Super Bowl halftime show that is under the guidance and uh, 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 suggestion of Jay-Z and his uh, Rock Nation uh, group, which said, remember when we reported that story about yes. him would be consulting yes. for a lot of this, a uh, lot of NFL-related things. Mm-hmm. This was his first assignment, yes. and yeah, you can definitely see that they really uh, there's an attention to detail that we haven't seen in a while in the choreography and the the showmanship mm-hmm. of the halftime show. It was definitely a show. It was yes. definitely a show stopper because sure. it literally stops the show of what else <laughs> is going on. But yeah, um, uh, how about the commercials? Any uh, standout commercials that you can uh, remember? Uh, the opening commercial, the NFL Play 100, where they cool. ran, the, the kid ran through all the different streets and cities. It's something similar last year. Uh, remember? Yeah, but not not as wide because this yeah. was the 100th year. This one it had to um, be a big deal. Yeah. Again, I also had to explain to who those people were. Not no, not no, not who the NFL legends were, but uh-huh. who this kid was. Oh. And why Why was it him? It was like, oh, is he supposed to be OBJ? I was <laughs> like, no. No. There's a contest throughout the whole season, and he won the contest. Yeah. And, like, he got to bring out the ball, and then all the 32 teams were represented by the different kids. And I was like, this was said last year or at the um, opening kickoff for the Super Bowl or for the um, – the opening kickoff of this season and then also for the Hall of Fame game was announced. Yeah. For that as well. Uh, but other commercials that stand out, um, Jason Momoa, Baby Peanut. Um, I guess, according to some poll, the uh, Groundhog's Day Jeep commercial was yeah. the best one. It was okay. It was all right. Yeah. Also, the worst one was the Donald Trump commercial. Well, yeah, obviously. Uh the one that I remember, and the only one that I like recall after the fact, was the uh, the uh, the one where they brought back uh, Rachel Dratch to do her old uh, oh, Boston character from SNL about the pocking the cause. The pocking the cause. I, I thought I that really was a great that. one. I really enjoyed that. I, I feel like that's that. for like five people at this point. But like, yes. I was one of those five people. <laughs> I, I loved it. I thought it was great because it was just. You're pocking the con. The yeah. car pox itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that one. That was great. That's the only one that I really... And yeah, freaking baby nut. I thought they were going to do it. And then they did it. Yes. Oh, but did you notice that it was Kool-Aid who brought back yeah, baby Yeah, Kool-Aid nuts? brought back baby nut with his hashtag magic cheer. Yes. Because I keep getting promoted tweets on Twitter from freaking Kool-Aid man. Kool-Aid and man. And it says hashtag magic tears. I'm like, I don't <laughs> fucking care. Uh, I thought it was smart of P&G <laughs> to have one commercial featuring all their products instead of doing <laughs> separate commercials. Yeah. Oh man, just the, the, the moment with the freaking um, bear. The, the, the German the, bear. The chili. about her clean booty. Yes. It's just like, this is a little much, isn't it? It was like, oh. Thank you for telling me that you literally own all these products. <laughs> yep. 
And congratulations on finally figuring out that you need to save money by One doing thing, this. though, I will, and that kind of brings up a good point, though. One thing I will say that I'm totally over mm-hmm. by the end of this Super Bowl, that was once novel, the ad crossovers. Yeah. Where... You think it's an ad for one thing, and then it turns into an ad for something else. The Tide ads. I'm done with it. The Tide thing was a bridge too far. Yeah. Where it just happened way too many times, and I was just over it by the end of it. I was just like... Now? Can we do a Tide ad now? No. Yeah, it's like, no, it's like, we're done. We're done. And yeah, I just think that, like I said, once it was novel, like Mm -hmm. it was cool to see like, oh, this brand is in this brand, and they must have agreed to do this. But yeah, I think we've done it now for three years in a row, and I'm just like, all right. Yeah. I'm sick of seeing combo ads. Just do your Could individual combo ads. Combo ad. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Anyway. Um, yeah. That's my thoughts. Uh, those are all your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, uh, I enjoyed it. Like I said, uh, um, super, the halftime show was the highlight for me. The game yeah. wasn't bad, though. And I, I was satisfied by the end, which is more than you could say about it last year. Uh, I was a little miffed that I didn't get the trailer that I wanted in Tenet mm-hmm. by Christopher Nolan. Nor did I get a uh, Eternals trailer mm-hmm. from Marvel, but we did fact, get. A... We got the ones we said you weren't going. We that I said that you said we weren't going to see, which yeah. was Black Widow. Yeah, and three seconds of Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four before it turns into the Tide ad again. Yes, I think that's what pushed me over the edge. I was like, <laughs> no, it's like here's Wonder Woman. No, I wanted to see some Wonder Woman, and now you're giving me this Tide ad again. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Day, you are not Wonder Woman. <laughs> Or, or I, when that commercial came on, I started mm-hmm. singing Wonder Woman. Yeah. I don't need no Wonder <laughs> Woman. <laughs> Didn't happen. Wasn't worth it. Oh. Lasso the truth out of you. <laughs> anyway, anything else don't you want to talk about with the Super Bowl, or can we move on to the rest of sports? Um, it happened. It happened. Congratulations to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He finally said, I'm going to Disney World. And he <laughs> said when he was a little kid. It. You have to say that. And he... Still looked definitely looked like a little kid yeah. getting to say it. Yeah. Uh, big congrats to Andy Reid. The parade was today, <laughs> um, and technically, the official NFL season doesn't end until February twenty eighth, I believe. Okay. So the end of February is when yeah. the official end of the uh, the official season ends, and then the next season begins because yeah. following that. On April 15th, I believe, is when free agency happens. Got it. Well, uh, when we... Well, it'll be the end of football at the end of February, but then we'll be 22 days away from the first game in Angel Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> it's baseball season. Because we have baseball stuff to talk about. Oh, there's a big baseball Trades, news. trades, and more trades. So it's a big upset trade, of course, uh, that people are pissed about in Boston. Oh, uh, like you go pock the cause in their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yes, a four-team trade sent Mookie Betts, David Price, and Luis Ringifo to uh, the Dodgers. Yes, Luis Ringifo of the Angels, but everyone else from the Dodgers. And they got rid of Kenta Maeda from the Twins. Oh, uh, no, going to the Twins. Yeah. Maeda's going to the Twins. Yeah, and then jo- Jacques, 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 Jacques Peterson. Going to the Angels. The Angels. Alex Verdugo to the Red Sox. And Bruce, Bruce Dar Graterol to the Red Sox. Yep, you got that right. Graterol. Yes. Uh, Red Sox had to do this because Mookie Betts was yeah. going to be a free agent 
at the end of this upcoming season. And yeah. And it was either sign him to a ridiculously massive contract and basically can't afford the cap space. But yeah, people or are trade him and pissed. get some money out of him. People are pissed about Mookie. Yes. Um, Depends on who you ask, though, because yeah, apparently in L.A. Yeah, here, today, happy, today but, was Mookie Day. Right. <laughs> uh, the other, I mean, a lot of people are, are kind of getting ahead of this and being like, man, if they lose Mookie Betts and if Tom Brady leaves the Patriots, potentially. Oh, that was another commercial. Yeah. The Tom Brady fake out. Right. I'm still, still going to be here. <laughs> yeah. Or something like that at the end there. Yeah. But yeah, if both of those things happen in calendar year 2020, yes. there will be riots in Boston. <laughs> So uh, we always say there's going to be riots in Boston, though. <laughs> it's like a thing they do. It's party two, it's happening. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is this will make for an interesting, uh, interesting uh, season coming up here. Yeah. Speaking uh, of interesting. That season, being said, um, hopefully the Dodgers win because yeah. no more cheating. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Speaking of uh, season, I, I was going to keep this for video games, but might as well mention it here. Yeah. I finally went back and finished my season in the show. Oh, you finally got uninjured? I recovered, and only apparently it took me a couple weeks to recover from my injury. Okay. Uh, I was back in the game. They put me right back in. We made the playoffs. Okay. And we lost to the Astros. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't because of me. They pulled me and then proceeded to lose the game. So I was like, hey, you can't blame me. You could have kept me in. I could have pitched, pitched this to a victory, but no, you pulled me in the fifth. And let some douchebag take over, and you lost the game. Right. So, uh, you did not succeed. As an aside in the MLB, <laughs> Pete Rose is filing agreements <laughs> with the MLB to be reinstated. Wow, did we call this? Yeah, I think we did call we this. We made this happen. We put this energy into the, the air. Well, yeah, because like, he is the standard, and if the Astros are clearly getting away with it, then right. why is why this is a... this small thing? Yeah. yeah. Because Pete Rose is the all-time hits leader. Like we said last week, if the league itself is in bed with these betting organizations, mm-hmm. then why not? Right. Yeah. I think this might be the one thing that does get him back into it. Yeah. Because the seal, like that betting seal, has been broken. The mm-hmm. cheating scandal has been yeah. broken. Yeah, it's all it's all over. Right. Point. All right, and lastly in sports, Novak Djokovic. 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 Uh, A.K.A. the Joker. Uh, won his eighth Australian Open in 13 years. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, in the women's singles for the Australian Open, uh, Sophia Kennan won. Yep. Of uh, the U.S. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Tennis. Um, yeah. Tennis. Uh, yes. There is some MLB, or not MLB, NBA All-Star news, okay. but... I will save all that news of like how they're changing up the scoring and the three point contest uh-huh. for when the uh, actual event happens, which Makes is in sense. two weeks. Okay, so look forward to that, people. Yeah. All right. Uh, but that being said, uh, Giannis Acuna De Campo and uh, LeBron James are you're going to be your team captains. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, uh, Luka Doncic, who was in the lead, got injured about a week ago, mm-hmm. so he's no longer going to be a captain. I see. All right, is there anything else uh, clean up for sports before we move on to television news? Oh, no, let's move on to television news. All right, first up, Netflix is our first story, and they are bringing over a um, a favorite amongst fans of anime. So, I don't... I know of this anime, 
But I have not read this anime. I have not. Uh, you mean the manga? Manga. Or seen the anime. Or seen. All, literally all I know about this series is when they had the terribly butchered uh, U.S. Virgin version on, uh, on Fox Kids mm-hmm. for that brief amount of time. And it was before... I think the reason why I saw a lot of that theme song and like parts of the show was because it was before the Kirby Right Back At You show. Because you're all about Kirby. At that time. <laughs> yes. But One Piece. Uh, I understand it's a big favorite for people who are into anime. It's a long-running show. I think it started in like 98 or something. Like, or the manga started in 98 and it's been printed ever since. It's very long-running. But this is a live-action series based on that yes. manga and anime. So... If you didn't read the manga or you didn't watch the anime, yeah. well, maybe the this, live action series time. will get you into it. The 10 episode series uh, comes from Tomorrow Studios and One Piece publisher Shueisha. 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 One Piece follows, in, cl- in case you don't know, uh, the story of Monkey D. Luffy and his pirate crew as they search the seas for the ultimate treasure known as One Piece. Oh, he said the title. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> to become the next Pirate King. Yes. Steven Maida, uh, who was previously in Lost and the X-Files, the showrunner, or in, in, sorry, was the showrunner, like, is the showrunner, head writer, and executive producer, alongside Matt Owens, who I guess was involved in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Luke Cage. Uh, yeah, head writer, one of the head writers for yeah. those shows. As writer and executive producer. The original author of the manga series... Ichiro Oda will be an executive producer. Mm-hmm. The first chapter of One Piece, as I just kind of obliquely mentioned, I got the year wrong, was uh, released on July 19th, 1997. And its 970th chapter yeah. was just released on February 3rd. Uh, Netflix has previously turned other mangas into live-action adaptations in the past, including Death Note and the upcoming adaptation of Cowboy Bebop. So if we want to get to 960. <laughs> Episodes of Me Podcast. A lot longer than this. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, people really, really love One Piece. So right. it'll be interesting to see how this is received. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who they decide to cast for this. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, expect a bunch isn't of, um, the whole thing is that, isn't he like stretchy? Yes. The dude's stretchy? Yes, that is part of the manga thing is that he <laughs> is stretchy and that he can up his power so level. How does how do they translate that, I guess, heavy CG? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, which makes me kind makes of like... Makes you wonder yay, why they're doing a live-action adaptation of this thing. That yeah. can't really be adapted into live-action, mm-hmm. but eh, who am I to judge? I mean, Full <laughs> Metal Alchemist was also adapted into a live-action. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like Death yeah. Note was also adapted to yeah. a live-action. Yeah, but... Mm, but, yeah, yeah but... Right. We'll when we talk about, like, action yeah. mangas? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, see. What happens. All right, our next story is about the total, total opposite of all that uh, manga and animation talk. The Directors Guild of America. All right, so the DGA. The Directors Guild and Management's AMPTP will begin negotiations for a new film and TV contract on February 10th, making the DGA the first guild to sit down with the companies. Uh, before the Writers Guild and, of course, SAG AFTRA, the Actors Guild. Right, which we have reported on the Writers Guild. Yes. Last they're year, still, they're still in limbo yeah. there. Compensation for streaming services is expected to take center stage in these talks with the DGA. Their current contract expires on June 30th. Yes, yeah, so 
uh, in previous years, the DGA has always gone first prior to striking a deal with the Riders Guild and SAG-AFTRA. Um, I don't know why, like, those other deals expired before the DGA, since they're usually all made around the same time. Yeah. But the fact that they want the directors first before the writers and the actors makes it kind of <laughs> in their ballpark and interesting yeah. to see where this goes. Yeah. Uh, because, as we mentioned with the writers, that will indeed be one of the biggest uh, topics is streaming revenue. Because it's not like traditional TV where you can get viewers because normally they hoard all that information. Right. It's a different game. Mm-hmm. Different ball game at that point. Right. All right. That's that story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that's something we'll... We'll continue to keep our eye on well, until we hear something about it. Speaking of keeping our eyes on things, we had our eyes all over the place on television this week. All right, so this is why those kind of two news stories were kind of like little fluff pieces. Because, because the big stories were what was actually on television. Yeah, we have we a lot of thoughts. have two series finales to talk about. But before we get to those... Okay. Let's run through the other two first. Let's run through the other two first. Okay, so you watched uh, some masked masked singer, yeah, which is back right now on um, Fox. It was the lead-in program after the Super Bowl, notably. Yes. So normally, like when you have a show or when you host the Super Bowl, you want yeah. your lead-in show post right. that to be typically your big hitter or the big show of your. Um, of your network. And Fox has an inexplicable hit with the mass Singer. It was big the first season. People couldn't stop talking about it. So they're taking advantage of that hype. And, yeah, it's living up to it. People are still talking about the mass Singer. Yeah. Um, I kind of would have liked to see the season premiere of 911 come back instead. <laughs> yeah. With a two-hour season premiere. But I guess because they're doing 911 Lone Star instead... Yeah. Um, they're giving the regular proper one a break, or more likely, new contracts. Or a combination of those a things. A combination of those. Uh, but, so, they decided to do the cheap and easy thing to produce, which is The mass Singer. Oh, yeah. Uh, and emphasis on the cheap. Emphasis on the cheap. Uh, so, mass Singer, it's the exact same thing, exact same concept, yeah. exact same setup, bunch of costumed celebrities loosely term here, Yeah, come out and perform karaoke style. And then you get to, the audience gets to vote on who sang the worst. And then they get revealed. Yep. And guess who sang the worst? So yeah, uh, Lil Wayne, apparently. Yes, that is not a shocker to me. <laughs> he's not he's, a singer. I mean, he's a rapper. Yeah. But also, he has such a unique right. tone and style that for him right to now. sing other people's songs is not in anywhere near his repertoire. Right. Uh, so it was easy for him to be eliminated. But also, I think that might have been on purpose to be, have that shock and awe. That, yeah. oh my God, Lil Wayne didn't win, but he's a well-known singer, isn't right. he? He put out a record this week. Yeah. For instance. So yeah, that was a good get, I think. But it's still, though, it's the level, still the level of celebrity that the mass <laughs> singer dwells in. They're not going to get anybody who's actually like nominated for an award or something this year. Current. Or or somebody, yeah, they're not going to get somebody current. They're going to be somebody that is a name that you remember from 
some years back. Right, like T Pain for the first one. Exactly, like T Pain. Or Patti LaBelle. Yeah, exactly. Or Layla Ali. The reason why or, they get that yeah. tier is because or that's Daltry. one who they can afford, and two, they they're going for the nostalgia factor. Right. I mean, that's part of like the gimmick in this thing is right. here's someone who hasn't been in the spotlight for the I, past five years. Here's a thing to make you remember them. You're right, and here's them basically having a big reveal. It's like, oh my god, I'm gonna go. Do some quick Googling on them. Yeah. What's happened to them? What's happened to them since this happened? Yeah. So, yeah. It's the mass singer. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to dwell on it. Yeah. But you did watch something else. All right. So, yeah. I'll talk about this. I'll try to be brief. It's been occupying a lot of my thoughts. Okay. Uh, but I'm probably going to do a... Oh, yeah. This, is I guess, is my chance to plug. Uh, me and my girlfriend have a blog that we've started. Um, it's going. To, it looks like right now it's kind of been mostly music. But I will be using that as kind of a place to to write some some long form pieces every once in a while, and I am planning to write about this, but I haven't gotten okay. to yet. But yeah, I watched so, uh, the. This, this is a cross promotion. Yes, it's cross promotion. It's uh, Rose Quartz Tarot House. Um, okay, very Steven Universe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Rose Quartz Tarot House dot wordpress dot com. Check it out. Anyway, uh, but yeah, uh, I watched the. Uh, docu the documentary uh, Miss Americana on Netflix, which is about Taylor Swift. Okay, so I saw on Spotify's new releases that Taylor yeah. Swift put out the A single song. for this. Yes, yeah. so that is part of this. So uh, the documentary specifically uh, takes place. Well, it has footage throughout Taylor's life, but mostly it is about the period of time uh, between the recording of uh, Reputation and the recording of Lover. Okay. So it chronicles um, the basically the the aftermath of the uh, the Kanye yes. West stuff first after the VMAs and then after the um, the Kim Kardashian call about the famous lyric, right? Um, and then kind of chronicles the the the, the feedback, the negative feedback she got after uh, Reputation's release mm-hmm. and the fallout after that call. And then into kind of her recovery of, of like, like image-wise into, like, her getting more comfortable with expressing her politics uh, by supporting Democratic uh, senators in, um, in Nashville, in Tennessee. Right, because that was something absent, that was absent the previous right. election. Which she addresses in this. And, uh, and then up to the release of, of Lover and this, uh, and this current mm-hmm. um, era of Taylor. Now, does it identify anything to do with the Scooter Braun deal? Mentions nothing about the big machine stuff. Ooh. My guess, so my guess about that is that... Probably, that's the thing I'm more interested in out of anything here. Yeah, well, my guess is that either one, that all happened after this thing was done and in the can, or that because of being wrapped up in litigation over it, Oh, she can't say and anything. Maybe they about couldn't it? say anything about it at that time okay. when that was being produced. But literally everything else that's happened to Taylor Swift over the course of her career is in this thing. Okay. They do a lot of their due diligence about every little bit. So yes, she addresses the whole like being silent in twenty sixteen. Turns out may not have been her decision. Hmm. Um, it give the documentary gives you the idea that um, Taylor is as much of a brand as a person at this point, and everything that she does career-wise is by committee. There's literally scenes of her in a boardroom at a table with several consultants, and they're all kind of mutually deciding what is going to happen for okay. the album rollout for decision making. 
there's a uh, scene specific where she's arguing with her own father about coming out in support of a, a Democratic nominee. Hmm. Um, basically, her saying she wants to do it, and she regrets being silent in 2016 and wants to be politically active and wants to kind of fight against this Trumpism. And her dad's the one being like, do you want half the people not to show up to your next tour? Basically, the things that everybody else was defending her with back when this when she was silent. Right. So she was getting it internally, too. That's the thing. And that is kind of in a microcosm of what this documentary is. It's basically like, let's actually consider what it is like to be the person Taylor Swift, not just the outward appearance. Like, what was she thinking when all these people on the internet turned on her? What was she thinking when Kanye West stole her microphone in 2009? What was going through her mind when she couldn't speak out about her political leanings? Like, what was the decision process when she was recording these songs for Reputation? Why? So, instead of writing a book, she's doing a movie tell-all? Kind of, yeah. This is very much, like, it feels like it wants to be a tell-all. Okay. Uh, you can say that... Does any of this matter? She's still super rich and successful. And you can make that argument, like, why Why are we dwelling on this person? I mean, you could also make the argument of, is she putting this out to get people to like her yes. again to go to her concert? That's the other half of this, is that it also seems like this is a really smart business move. Because it's basically her being like, no, this is me now. I'm honest. I'm likable now because I say speak my mind basically turning the tables on everybody who was like all like oh she's so secretive and she doesn't say anything mm-hmm. about all this stuff and so yeah you could read it as a as a really good business strategy a bit like I'm gonna get my fans back kind of thing a t- turn to being like a more like intimate kind of relationship with the celebrity kind of thing so because the fact that it's a documentary, it can be interpreted in all sorts of these ways. Okay. You can interpret it in any of these ways and still kind of get out uh, that at the end with your own mind being made up about who Taylor Swift is. Which I think is why I'm so fascinated by it. And I've been thinking about it a lot. Uh, because, yeah, it's very similar to that Lady Gaga uh, documentary that they did uh, a couple of years ago about her kind of transition and the release of Jolene. Yeah. Or whatever the hell that was, Joe. It wasn't Jolene. That's the That's Dolly Parton song. Dolly, yeah. Uh, what's was Joe? Joanne. Joanne. Joanne was the record. Yeah, it was up after pop art. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like that was kind of her kind of similar mm-hmm. kind of like I'm going to twist what how I'm portrayed in the media and like how right. I'm seen. Of course, she did her own course correcting measure, which was being in an Oscar nominated film. Yeah. And that kind of is now reversed. Taylor doesn't really have that. Well, she was in a film. <laughs> Yeah, that was an Oscar nominated. It will be talked about at the Oscars. There will be a mention of it. Mention of it. But anyway, so yeah, what, however you want to read it, it's a fascinating thing. Well, she, she did try because she put out a single for it. Yeah, she did. Or I don't think you want to say that as trying, but she did yeah. some effort to try and do yeah. that. So this thing is, it's yeah, it's fascinating because it is kind of an eye into celebrity. It does humanize Taylor a little bit more, probably more so than most of the things she's done. Um, but it, it, yeah, it creates this dichotomy of a person, which is this person who wants so badly to be seen as genuine, who wants so badly to be seen as this good girl, mm-hmm. and she goes into that kind of need for praise and applause and people like have positive feedback. And how she's always lived off of it. 
But then the other side of Taylor, which is she knows she's a brand and a mm-hmm. business, and she's really good at it. Right. It's this. So it creates this really interesting portrait of Taylor Swift in 2020. And I was fascinated by it. So if any of that sounds interesting, I recommend checking it out and make, drawing your own conclusions. But yeah, you will basically, you'll come out of it thinking multiple things. And yeah, it could be any of the things we mentioned here. But I kind of came out on the other end being like, yeah, she seems more like a real person than I thought. But also, re- this is a really smart business move, regardless. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it sounds like she wants to... Kind of like what Lady Gaga did. Yeah. And kind of like what Elton John did with Rocket Man. Yeah. That they want to kind of set the record straight on right. who they are as exactly. a person. They want to control the narrative. And control their own narrative. Exactly. It's all 100% about controlling a narrative. Mm-hmm. That kind of spiraled out of place for her at yeah. some point. And this is de- definitely her basically taking the reins back and being like, no, I'm going to let you right. in. Peek behind the quote curtain. I like, quote. Didn't Bruce Springsteen also put out something? Yes. Last happened. year? Yes, within the last couple of years. Yeah. It's all very in the same same uh, mindset. And it's also got me thinking about, like, man, celebrity just ruins these people's lives. Mm-hmm. You take somebody who's already super type A, like Taylor, mm-hmm. and you put her into a situation where she's literally watched by eyes 24-7, and, like, everything she does is, mm-hmm. like, ripped apart. Right. Everything is crit- becomes criticized. And critical. you wonder why she spiraled so much after the Kanye stuff. And that's why. Well, you know. I wonder why reputation... We already lived through this with Britney Spears. Right. It's the same It's the same story retold person after person. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because Taylor even had a song in, in on her album Red about this. Yeah. The Lucky One. Where she talks about, like, the cycle of people being... Of being the new hot, like, celebrity girl being torn down. And the person, basically, the revelation she has by the end of the song is, man, that person who retreated and... And took their like took the the one didn't want to be famous anymore and went to the like the small cottage and like just enjoyed their life. They're the actual winner in this scenario. Mm-hmm. If only she had listened to herself at twenty two. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Miss Americana. It's on Netflix now. <laughs> All right, Miss Americana. <laughs> but those aren't even the two big things. No, they're not. <laughs> All right, so we had right. two series finales yeah. that happened this past week. Uh, one was a slow burn, the other one was a bomb. <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> Alright, which one do you want to talk about first? Oh man, well, let's go chronological order. The Good Place. Alright, so, last Wednesday we left you with a cliffhanger. Yes. Basically saying, The Good Place had put on a show that felt like a series finale before the series finale <laughs> was set to air. But man... They had something up their sleeves. Oof. They had an hour long of basically like the f- just making you sit with the characters that you've loved so much for four years and letting you say goodbye to them on their own time and mm-hmm. your own time. Yeah. They took an hour for a show that's usually 30 minutes and man, they I'm used glad every, they did. They used every bit of it. I'm glad they did because... That show, if anything, especially this season, mm-hmm. is so much about, we know you like these characters. You know you want to be with these characters. Mm-hmm. So here, sit with them for a while. Really get into their heads about what they're thinking about this current situation. 
and let them leave when they're ready. And that's exactly what this was. Well, this whole season was about basically putting forward the good that had come the previous three seasons. Yeah. The lessons they had learned, the stuff they had tried, and tried to leave the bad place into a rather good place, into where mm. they felt better about themselves. Because that's all the yeah. show has really been about, is bettering yourself by right. bettering those around you. <laughs> but but the interesting thing that this season did, and like this specific, this finale did, was like, yeah, but what if you've done all the things you can do? Mm. What if you get to the point finally where you're like, no, I'm satisfied, I did the ultimate thing that I wanted to do. And it kind of dwe- like dwells on the, the, the question of if people are presented with infinite happiness, happiness infinite paradise, mm-hmm. they're going to get over it at some point, right? Like they're going to come to I, a lot of You would think that you can't be in a blissful state right, forever. Right. Or so, yeah. that is something that they wrestle with. And so yeah, I really, really enjoyed how they approached this, uh, mm-hmm. this finale. It really felt like that you really were like seeing the characters get what they always wanted. Every person, every person, every main character got the thing that they had been fighting for, the thing that they had been like, you know, yearning for this whole time. And it really felt like a really great tying of loose ends, little nice little wrapping on the on the package by the end of it. Yeah, this is. What happens when you let Michael Schur yeah dictate his own ending on his own terms? Yeah, like it's what you get when you have a sh- any show really come to its like end at its on its own terms. Mm-hmm. None of it felt rushed. Yeah, like you think back to like other endings of series like Thirty Rock and Parks and Rec, and you just think like, no, they did not know slash did not have time to figure out how they were going to end it. Mm-hmm. But this, no, it feels. 100% planned. This, and it was. Yeah. I mean, they did come out beforehand saying, this is, will be our final season. We know... Yeah. We've told what we want to. Now we're going to tell the end. Yeah. The question with Good Place always was, back in the... Like, when we talked about it in previous years, was, like, it always leaves you in, like, what what can... How... Where they where do they go from here? What else can they possibly do? Mm-hmm. And, of course... The ultimate answer to that question turns out at the very end of the series is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is nothing because we've done everything. Right. And that's where it, yeah, that's where <laughs> it kind of leads to. Just I mean, I did like the kind of meta aspect that when you do become nothing, that your essence yeah. floats out into it the does world good. and does encourages good. good in other people. Mm-hmm. That's really really cool. Like it's a really good lesson at the end of it. That it's not for nothing. Yeah. Like, because there is kind of a a conversation at one point in the finale where it's like, the question is, like, what does happen when, like, it's the series is equivalent of what happens in, like, the afterlife. It's like, what happens in the after-afterlife? Right, what happens when you're done with the afterlife? And the the fact that they were able to have such a positive message to be Mm -hmm. the answer to that question is really, really cool. Yeah. like... It just makes that whole series just feel like it's just a ball of positivity. The, not, that series was nothing but, yeah, improving like upon yourself, improving like like helping improve others, like being good friends to each other, just being the best person that you could be, mm-hmm. and ended on such a perfect note for that. Now, is this a, a series you would 
revisit. Possibly in a few years. Yeah, I could see myself you know, doing the whole thing again. Like, because I've run through Parks and Rec probably four times yeah. since its ending. And I've run through 30 Rock probably like four or five times total. Right. So yeah, I could easily see. In fact, this would be a series that I feel like might be the first series I ever actually purchase. I might buy a Blu-ray. Okay. Of all four seasons, because it would be good to have. Right, because I've seen this through in initial runs, and then helping my doctor yeah. catch up for this past season. So I've seen it, I've seen the first three seasons twice, Yeah, and I still love it. Yeah, still good. The question, of course, now, I heard a rumor that amongst the rumored Peacock shows mm-hmm. is supposedly a spinoff of The Good Place. A spinoff. So the rumor is, will it follow Michael's adventure on the Earth? You're close. No, it actually doesn't take place after the events of the finale. Okay. Apparently, it takes place during the events of an earlier time in the show, because the bad place still exists. Right. It's a apparently a spinoff based on the bad place crew, like the kind of the board. Right. That was making all the decisions for the bad place. Yes. Including the lava monster and what's her name and Vicky. Yeah, Vicky and all of them. And apparently we'll have cameo appearances in some way of uh Tahani and Janet. Okay. That's the rumor. And it would presumably be called the bad place. Okay. Would does that sound interesting? <laughs> I mean <laughs> No. <laughs> Because it sounds like it takes place, bet- like, during the ending, yeah. where Tahani decides to become an architect, yeah. but it's about teaching the demons how to properly torture <laughs> humans. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, there's all sorts or of how, like, how to properly set up, yeah. like, the environments for each person? There, yeah, who knows what it could actually what it actually is. Like the is. testing area? Also, who knows if this is even happening. Right. But it would be interesting. And the nice thing is, is that because Peacock's free, you don't have to worry about it. You can, don't even have to pay to watch this thing. No, uh, <laughs> it's free with ads. Free. It's free. Yeah. But yeah, who knows if that's actually going to happen. But okay. overall, though, yeah, I was super satisfied with the end of this thing. And yeah, it just felt... It just felt good. It just felt good with it. I wasn't. It wasn't overly sad. It had some sad moments, mm-hmm. but like overall, it's just. It's not. I thought it was going to be something where I was like, "Oh man, sucks that it's over," but no. It felt like there was a lot of closure, and I feel satisfied. Yeah, all the characters accomplished what they wanted to accomplish. Yeah. you know, given the infinite time. Yeah. But also, like within the show, we saw them accomplish everything and right. make those full character arcs yeah no so yeah. i guess the last thing to say is to keep it sleazy yeah exactly <laughs> now serious finale that does the exact opposite of all of that that i just <laughs> talked about uh is the next one so we had such a good finale <laughs> with the good place so a show about being positive about being a better person and succeeding at that now let's talk about a show <laughs> that also is kind of about being a better person. But goes way through the drums of yeah, society. But, but it's kind of also about failing at that over and over and over again. Bojack Horseman. Okay, alright. So, so Will Arnett is a horse. 
So yeah, this was the second half of the last season. We had our first half in uh, of in the end of last year, um, and I talked about that in our kind of year-end wrap-up stuff as mm-hmm. being strong, but feeling like there was still some leftover business. Which there was. Well, they really gave us the business. <laughs> so, this is five episodes. It was. I feel like it was more than that. Six. Yeah, it was six or so. But yeah, um, it was a trip. So I guess I feel like it's harder to uh, go into the details here because of so much had to be kind of cleaned up mm-hmm. at the end of this series. Uh, but yeah, if you watch the first half of last series, you basically know the setup is that Bojack has ret- returned from um, rehab and he has a new gig as an acting professor at the same college as his uh sibling turns out sorry spoiler for season five <laughs> uh, uh hollyhock and so it kind of goes into that like where we left off but then hollyhock also uh at the end of the last uh kind of half of the season found out that bojack was involved in a friend's uh basically uh, uh hospitalization due to alcohol poisoning and she didn't know that and when she finds out, it makes their kind of relationship kind of tested. And then all of a sudden, we're back, right back into it with all the drama, because that turns into a big, uh, like a couple of reporters suddenly interested in Bojack's life, even though now he is to a point where he feels like he's moved on. The world hasn't, and the reporters are after him about all of this like dark stuff that has happened in his past before. So, like whereas, stuff that's occurred over the course of the seasons? Yes. All of, every single season, like, is addressed somehow in all of this. This feels this a little bit like recording. the Seinfeld ending. It kind of, where they funny that you say that. Bring talk about everything they've done. There is an element of that, but really, it's just an interesting kind of, like, experiment in halves. Because you had the first half of the season, which was much like... No, he's improving. He's getting there. Like everybody's getting to close, like getting their closure. Everybody's getting to the point where they, where where we're having happy endings for these characters. And this second half is more like, no, screw that. There are no happy endings for any of these people. Mm-hmm. It's going to be complicated, and we're going to dredge up the past just one last time to make sure that the him, that Bojack and the audience are reminded that no, he's not off scot free. That he did do all these terrible things, and he's going to have to face somewhat the music about all of that. Mm-hmm. But the journey to get to the ending, though, I don't know if that all necessarily pays off. Without going into specific spoilers, he is punished. There is a punishment of sorts for Bojack by the end of the series. Uh, I will say, no, he does not die. Does the punishment fit the crime... <laughs> He is punished for a, a crime, yes. Okay. But it's not the one you think he should be. And that's, I think, the one thing that I think a lot of people are going to come off at the end of the series and really question is about, like, yes, he got punished, but was it, did it meet what he did, the, like, the, the, like the, the actual level of the crime that he actually had committed earlier in the series? Are those characters given their, like, basically opportunity to speak up about it? Kind of not. And then, 
is it left at the end where you believe that he could, in fact, have a career going forward, or should he? There's a lot of questions about that kind of thing, especially mm. in the light of current, like the current climate in Hollywood. You mean with Robert Downey Jr.? With all, like, with not only not only Robert <laughs> Downey Jr., but like with the, like the Me Too movement. Right. And all of no, this I know stuff. that's what you're going it's for. All, it's all basically hovering over the events of this these last three episodes, like few episodes, and so yeah, your feelings about how all that should go will definitely paint how you react to how they address the stuff with Bojack. So that being said, all the rest of the characters, though, actually have pretty good endings. Um, they're, they're, they're able to kind of even further close the book on a lot of the other storylines uh, in a satisfying way that I felt really made sense for all of them. But that one question about like whether or not that, yeah, about how Bojack gets punished, what, how, like whether he should have gotten a harsher punishment, all that stuff still kind of lingers at mm. the end. And it does have a lingering end. The last shot is very much like gives you the, like, like the time to really think about, oh, where could these characters go from here? What could happen to him from, from here on out? And yeah, it doesn't feel super satisfying. It's the opposite feeling I got from The Good Place, where with The Good Place, I was like, yep, yeah, all right, we're done, we're out, we're good, we all feel great about this. And to Bojack felt like, I don't know how I feel about this. It doesn't feel like, I feel like we got some of, some of the stuff got closure, but not everything. And I'm sure that's on purpose. Are you hoping for a BoJack movie? No, to I don't think it it'll ever happen. No, because where they leave that character, mm -hmm. most of the audience isn't going to see him again. Okay, and that's I think on purpose, because if this was a real person who had done all this stuff in real life, you also wouldn't want to see that person again. Okay, it's it's I think it's very purposeful in its ambiguity. Ambiguity. I think it's very purposeful in its like depiction of him because I think. It could have very easily stumbled into the problem of, oh, yeah, he's a bad guy, but he's the protagonist, so we love him. And the last half of the series, they really looked into that and was, like, made a really, uh, like, really tried to, like, be clear that, no, we are not supposed to like him. Nobody in the show likes him. They deal with him. They are his friends because they are his friends, not necessarily because they, you know, think he's worth it. And it kind of, like, it's always been a show about, like, the question of, like, yes, these people make these terrible decisions, but how how long do you have to stand there supporting it? And that's one of the reasons I've never got into BoJack yeah. is because he is a right. terrible person. Yeah. And I could never get over how terrible he was yeah. to the fact of me trying to root for him. It was always a show... That was two things at once. It was always a show that was half, yes, like, this is a show about a terrible person making terrible decisions. And then the other half was, this is a really, really funny, gag-heavy, like, spoof of celebrity in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I love both of those sides of the show for different reasons. And I think the reason why I kept going was because the balance was so good. Like, just the balancing act between those two things was always impressive to me. And it never went too far in either direction for me. And it remains that to the end. But, yeah, how much you can deal with that character 
will definitely affect how much you can watch of the show. Yeah. So yeah, I don't recommend it for everybody, but if you've stuck by the show this long, see it out to the end. Okay. It's worth it, but man, that show. Also, uh, they have another like any caliber episode in this bunch of uh, episodes, just like last last season. Was that last season? The, the free churro episode, which actually won the Emmy. Um, this one is they have one that deals with Bojack's presumed death, which doesn't end up actually being permanent. He doesn't die, but I feel like I was actually talking to somebody about this uh, yesterday. Where like I feel like. They wanted to do, like, even if they didn't ultimately decide to kill him, they wanted to do an episode where he basically was dead. Yeah. And so they did it anyways. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's fascinating. It basically is, like, a metaphor for what actually happens when you die. Mm. But not, like, at all like The Good Place. <laughs> it's interesting. Two shows that dwell so heavily, like, finales especially, mm-hmm. that dwell so heavily on the question of what is an afterlife? What does it mean? Like, let's actually talk about, like, what different people dying, like, like let's go into this. Like, and they do it completely differently. So, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, there's a lot to kind of unwrap there. But. Uh, series you would watch again? I actually have been recently considering going back to the early seasons and watching them. Because okay. I just, the, like I said, the gag stuff and the joke writing and stuff is some of the strongest that I've ever seen. Okay. And, like, I think that would be strong enough. To keep me, like, going on a rewatch. Because I would have already known all the dramatic turns coming. Like, the first time, that's the tough part. Mm-hmm. The second time, I would already know all that stuff was going to happen, so it wouldn't be as bad. Okay. So, like, it would be probably a more breezy watch the second time. Or I might just watch Tuca and Birdie again. <laughs> <laughs> for, for the one season. <laughs> because, man. If only. If only that had kept going. But, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It's It was Bojack through and through. And you either love it or hate it. And it's still one of the best, was one of the best shows on television. Period. Well, period. Yep. No longer. Yep. All right. Uh, do we have any other thoughts? Uh, that's all I want. Okay. Uh, Lego Masters it premieres tonight. <laughs> we'll have that next for you next next time. Yeah, adults done making Legos on primetime television. Yeah. What's not to like? Well, speaking of Will Arnett. Yeah, speaking of Will Arnett, he's the host of that. Yeah. Uh, so don't feel too bad for him that Bojack got cancelled. <laughs> um, do we have any other thoughts or are we good That's to it go? television. Let's move on. All Congratulations right. and renewal. Okay. Yes. What am I no longer watching? Netflix has canned the crown. It's fifth season will be its last. Uh, it's upcoming fifth season. They will, uh, do a new Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, Imelda something something. Yeah. Something something. Uh, will be the new queen for the fifth and final season. Netflix has also canceled Soundtrack after one season and Spinning Out after one season. That uh, sounds like <laughs> they spun out of a broken record. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> or, or on... spun out of a record scratch. Better. Yeah. Sure. Uh, meanwhile, on Fox, they've fallen in so much love with The Mass Singer that they've dumped their other music show. Beat Shazam is over after four seasons. Uh, I mean, Danny Fox was on the. Uh, <laughs> wait, is it canceled or is it renewed? Cancelled. Oh, no, sorry, you have a renewal. I uh, Sorry, I thought it was cancelled. No. No, sorry, never mind. Beach Sam is coming back for a fourth season. Yeah, there you go. It will not be cancelled. It's under cancellation renewals, yeah, but it's not cancelled. So many cancellations. There's no cancellation next to that So many cancellations. Uh, so like, wait, I'm pretty sure that wasn't cancelled. You're right. It continues to exist. Yes. 
Shazam continues to get all of that free rev free ad space. What is canceled though over on Showtime after seven long seasons of being every da- everyone's dad's favorite show, Ray Donovan is over. Yes, that show is officially canceled. What did I get? Seven seasons? Seven seasons. Wow. Yes, your dad's favorite show. Yeah, everybody's dad's favorite show, Ray Donovan. Yep, my dad watched it. <laughs> which they which they watch it right before they go see a screening of Ford versus Ferrari. Yep. Uh, which Robert which reminds we totally me. forgot to mention earlier. Oh no, no, I, I remember I remember it. I saw it there. I was like, nope, don't need to talk about this. Yeah. Because, like I said, it's Dad's favorite film. Uh, so, yeah, your dad's yeah. show. And finally, we can no longer ask, Dad's hey, move on. who's watching Ray Donovan? Because yep. the answer is no one anymore. <laughs> and then uh, that's it for cancellations and renewals. And we do have one death. This happened today. Yeah, I saw this today. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had this. But uh, None other than Kirk. Douglas. Mr. Spartacus himself. Age 107 yeah, years he, old. Yeah, I got that right. 107. 107. Yeah, um, kind of been for a while we've been talking about, like, he's on his way out, right? And it finally did happen. Yes, um, uh, father of Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yes. Uh, yeah. Who's father of... Is there another Douglas out there right now, too? Um, there's... Yeah, I thought there was... I don't know. Yeah, I, I thought Michael Douglas had a son that was also acting. I don't remember. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, so uh, chances are you will see um, a big uh, in-memoriam segment for him. I don't know if Sunday. he will make it or not. They or they will probably off. try and they'll, they'll uh, shove him in there in. somewhere. They'll edit him in. Yeah. All right. That's it for deaths, which means... Right, I, to... I was going to say that, because normally there's a cutoff date that they do... Oh, yeah. So you might Maybe end up becoming... So I think year. it's like February or January. We'll see. But I hand this over to you now because it's time to talk about music. Oh, right. It's uh, music. And we always start music with the billboards. And we, we always start the billboards with the Hot 100. What's hot? I'll tell you what's land. hot. Um, the Box. You know, The Box by Roddy Rich is Rich. your number one single. Again. Uh, Life is Good. Uh, with Juice Future, featuring Drake, really. Uh, number two. Number three, Circles by Post Malone. Uh-huh. Number four, Memories by Maroon 5. Yep. And number five, Someone You Loved by Louis Capaldi. Yep. Same same old, same old, really, this week. Yeah, I don't think anything changed. Yeah. Uh, as for your Billboard 200, your albums charts, please excuse me. For Being Antisocial by Roddy Rich is your number one album. Jumped back up after a couple of weeks of uh, lower in the list. Yep. Number two is Music to be Murdered by by Eminem. Down a notch. Uh, that was last week's number one. Number three, When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go by Billie Eilish. Grammy bump. Yep. This was your Grammy bump. That's the Grammy bump. Uh, number four, Manic by Halsey. Yep. Good to see that still up there. Still there. And number five, Hollywood's Bleeding by Post Malone. Constantly being yep, up there. Constantly. Um, well, if you don't like any of those albums, or you're tired of listening to those albums, <laughs> we have new releases. Oh, what am I listening to this week? I don't know what you're listening to, but here are the releases. new releases. We have The Fallen Crimson by Envy, Father of All, dot dot dot, <laughs> by Green Day. I believe the end of that dot 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 is motherfuckers. Oh. I don't, I don't believe they can print but that. But I don't think they can print that, exactly. 
we have Supervision by LaRue. Yep. Yes. That LaRue. That LaRue. Remember Bulletproof? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, we also have A Simple Trick to Happiness oh. by Lisa Loeb. Oh, Lisa Loeb can uh, tell me what the That Lisa is. Loeb. Yeah. I sh- uh, my birthday buddy. She's also born on March 11th. Uh, we also have <laughs> Never Not Together by Not A Surf. Uh-huh. I didn't know I put it on an album. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy just saw them in concert. Yeah. Anyway. Good live? Uh, she liked it. Okay. I wasn't there. I can't tell you. Alright, we also have Low Season by Poolside. Okay. Limitless by Richard Marks. <laughs> Quandra by Sepultura. Sure. All or Nothing by Shopping. <laughs> yep. And Perdita. By Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, yeah. Yes. Stone those Temple Pilots. Temple, those Stone Temple Pilots. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that brings us into music news. It sure does. What's in the news uh. is two follow-up stories. Well, in response to Ousted Recording Academy CEO Deborah Dugan's request last week to be released from the arbitration agreement she signed when she took the job, the Academy has agreed to have the dispute heard publicly. However, that agreement is not liberating as it first sounds. Dugan said the Academy intentionally bought this dispute, uh, brought this dispute to the public's attention, and I am asking you to agree to let the public and music uh, industry access to the legal proceedings to come in this case. Adding, quote, I have nothing to hide. The public and the music industry have the right to know what is going on behind closed doors at the Academy, end quote. Uh, The offered agreement would free the Academy from its confidentiality agreement as well, but arbitration would prevent the dispute from coming before a jury. And Dugan's attorney, Doug Woodger, apparently spurned the offer spurned the offer yeah. i mean yeah i mean it makes sense right like it makes sense that she'd want to be in front of a trial like mm-hmm. be at trial so that way she can go into the nitty-gritty what of the circumstances in which she left right. about the accused um, sexual sexual misconduct mm-hmm. um and of course the academy doesn't want that to happen because they don't want this to blow up even bigger than it already has. Well, not only that, because it goes to trial, everything yeah. comes out into the open, right. and they have to have provide discovery yeah. for both sides when they <laughs> ask for it. Yeah. Meaning that all their dirty laundry will be aired out in the open, and right. it gets a chance for the public to see what are they actually trying to hide, right. if anything, because... She seems very forefront about this, oh, yeah, no, being like, "If you want to go after me, I will, I will gladly do this out in the open. Come and get me." Yeah. No, yeah, uh, it's it's really interesting, and I don't know what's going to come out of this. I don't know if she's going to get it. I bet that this arbitration stands, uh, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, more on this quote: "The Recording Academy's effort at portraying arbitration as." A fair process for employees is disingenuous as everyone knows arbitration unfairly favors, protects, 
and insulates employers from their unlawful actions. It's true. It is telling that the Recording Academy is unwilling to allow a jury of Miss Dugan's peers decide this matter. Yeah, this sounds familiar at all. It's because we had a similar arbitration story when we were talking about the Riot Games yes. stuff. About how their employees also wanted to get out of the arbitration situation because they knew that would be pretty one-sided. Mm-hmm. Um, because when most clauses for arbitration, it is the company that decides yes. who comes in and does the arbitration. Right. Which, you know, it's arbitration is supposed to be a third party, but if one side is choosing said party... Then it's not really... That's not really... Unbiased. Right. So, yeah. We'll see what happens out of this. I really hope that she gets to tell her story because, man, I want to know, like, what the hell happened. <laughs> I kind of want to see if this is to call the Academy, Recording Academy's bluff. Yeah. And they drop the charges? Maybe. And then if they do, if she decides to then sue them for yeah. defamation. Yeah. And then they have to air it anyways <laughs> because they have to prove right. their case that, see, we didn't do this yeah. because of X, Y, and Z. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> I think that'd be more interesting if, yeah. if that ends up happening. Instead of just, well, here's everything we have on you. And then it also becomes, wait... Why do you have all of this on me? <laughs> right. Like, shouldn't some of this stuff be private information? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but then, but uh, a happy story. Yeah, that's something we'll keep our eye on. But another story. Um, my Chemical Romance. Your Chemical Romance. Yes, yeah, specifically My Chemical Romance. <laughs> uh, you have your own yeah, biological that. romance, whatever. <laughs> I am a chemistry Romance. I'm sorry, a chemical chemical romance. romance. Yes, well, after an almost seven-year hiatus, the return of MCR arrives on a high note as the band has already sold out its North American tour with 228,600 tickets purchased in less than six hours. Chrissy got hers. The (laughs) Make Room... Performers thanked their loyal supporters, saying, "Quote, you've worn, you've worn out all your dance shoes this time." <laughs> the tour was announced in a short film released by the group on Wednesday. The 13-minute video has since garnered almost 1.3 million views, and of those 1.3 million views, two at least 228,000 people have decided yeah. to purchase. Tickets. That's a lot of people. Um, they even had to announce a second date in Los Angeles. Yes, uh, in the LA show? Yeah, because it sold out so quickly. Yep, so, makes uh, sense. So Christy got the tickets to the second show. Ah, okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, good for all those fans who get to go. Interesting to if they continue to sell out, if this means that people want new MCR. Or it if looks like uh, people want new music from people, them. So. Or if they just want to hear the classics, hear they, the hits. They would be very smart to put out a record. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying, I mean, I said that last time. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, true. We had the story that. It remains true. They should put out a they record because they have all these eyes. Yep. All these out. ears. Turns out. All right. Speaking of having all these eyes and all these ears. I do have eyes and ears. Uh, we have an album to yeah. have talk about. And you know what? Honestly, I thought I would have more to say about this one, but I really don't. All right. So, does that mean you're taking the low road uh, or yeah. the high road? More like the middle road, because that's how I kind of felt at the end of this thing. Did you listen to this? I listened to about half of it. I don't blame you. Because I (laughs) 
well, one, I kind of ran out of time. But also, and two, I, I, I could understand yeah. not being compelled to want to finish this thing. Yeah. Because let's bring like let's bring back <clears throat> the clock a little bit and talk about how good Rainbow was. Because wasn't Rainbow good? I liked me some Rainbow. I liked Rainbow. It was a good album. It was a reminder that Kesha could write songs really well. It was a reminder that she liked all sorts of different kinds of genres and kinds of songs. And it was a really cool, like, restart, a reset button, if you will, for her career. Where right. It, like, felt like this is the kind of artist she is now. She's making the kind of music she wants to make. This is now who Kesha is. It was also the first album post all the trial stuff. Yeah. So. All the Dr. Lou. So High Road takes that and occasionally feels that way. Mm-hmm. Occasionally has that feeling of potential that feeling of joy but then it also half of it also feels kind of like hey people were complaining about me not being old kesha so i brought old kesha back even at one point literally there is a song on this record that is credited to kesha and kesha with a dollar sign implying that she brought her old like version of herself, her mm-hmm. old alter ego, and is duetting with her on this record. I can't make this shit up. <laughs> and that is, in itself, kind of what this whole record feels like. It feels like a compromise. It definitely does. Like, the first three songs on this album almost sound like a Lizzo Yeah, a little Lizzo effect. Yeah. Um, it sounds like old Kesha, like new Lizzo, like... Yeah. A producer went. We need. This is what's hot right now. Yeah. You want to play? We want radio play. This is what's going to get you radio play. Instead of Kesha wanting to do her own stuff, which she does eventually get to. Yeah. This thing is an hour long album. That's the thing is that they kind of it's a cake and eat it too kind of scenario. Yeah. Here, because she does want to like get into that kind of more pop zone that she used to be in. There's a lot of songs here that do that. Yeah, but two pop music results. has changed. Well, Since she was at the top of the charts. There's that, but also I think that when it does work, it works really well. I really like uh, Raising Hell, the single. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. I think that's a killer chorus. I think it's fun. I think it's just EDM enough where it could get radio play, but it's also genuine enough, feels genuine enough, where like this is also something that the new Kesh- like Kesha currently made and has her effect on it. So that is an example of that compromise... Being a good compromise. But elsewhere on the record, that formula doesn't work as well. And oh, I got through most of it. It seems like every other song is almost a disappointment. And like the highlights that are there mm-hmm. are not strong enough to put the whole thing over the top. It's also a very wide and varied album. Yeah. Like like you said, we groups. have the pop stuff. You have one where she with herself. She, yeah. you have the breakdowns, and then you also have like a song where she just the a variation of the Super Mario Eight Bit soundtrack <laughs> to I, it. I want to believe that the earliest version, like the, if you listened to a demo of that thing, it was just straight up the Super Mario Brothers song. But then it, somebody told her, like, we can't, can't, like we can't, can't do that. We can't get and it. She was like, all right, make a sound like, and somebody made a sound like yeah. for her because it's a hundred percent. You could probably take. The Super Mario Brothers put it right there and it fit perfectly. At the very end, yeah. where it was just the two. I was like, like okay, I got it. The Super Mario Brothers was like, okay, clearly so this is close. supposed to be it. And yeah, that was fun. It's not great, but like that one's fun. 
But there are some highlights. Like, I really enjoyed, like, a couple of the songs. Uh, like, there's one, Cowboy Blues, where mm-hmm. she's actually kind of, like, like thinking back to a kind of a happenstance encounter at a bar. And being yeah. like, oh, man, did I, did I miss my chance at true love? Yeah, like, I, I liked that song. That song feels, because it feels very natural. It feels very confessional. Mm-hmm. And when there's moments like that on the record, it feels good. Because that, it feels like she's genuine Kesha that we saw in Rainbow. And that's kind of what I wanted more out of this yes, album. Yes, me too. And so, yeah, like I ended up feeling kind of disappointed by the end of it. Because yeah. I wanted it to be a bigger, better Rainbow. And instead, it felt like a halfway mark between... Yeah. Her old career in this. Right, but it is 16 songs on a 52 yeah. album. So. And I think that was another two minute issue. Album. It does, it does kind of fall fall, fall uh, to the, the, the current Spotify era of everything has to be a billion songs long. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't do it any favors. No. So, yeah. But it and does... I didn't, I didn't end up caring for it. It has something for everyone, yeah. but are you really going to sit through the hour long to find yeah, the no. one or two hits. Like, I probably will not listen to this again. Yeah. Like, it just, it, it didn't do all out for me, and yeah, I feel disappointed. I might listen through this again once over, just to try and find those songs. Yeah. But even then, it might just be one or two songs, like I said. Yeah. The uh, Cowboy song and then the Birthday Suit song. Yeah, it is what it is. So yeah, let's move on. Yeah. That's all I have to say about it. All right. Moving on then Sorry, to Kesha. video games. Video games, they happened. Oh, they happened. They continue to happen. To happen. <laughs> yep. Uh, we have one new release this week. One. That's it. Yakuza Five, which is a uh, uh, remaster for the PS4. Yeah. Uh, yes. Comes out for the PS4 and only the PS4. That's it. Done. That's moving it. on. No new releases besides that. Uh, more new releases next week. All right. Uh, moving on to actual video game news then. You remember how? Blizzard released Warcraft Classic. Oh, Warcraft 3? Yes, Classic? Yes, I do uh, remember. That was recent. Well, yes. uh, fans, fans weren't so happy. Yeah, well, Warcraft 3, colon, Reforged, has had such a rough launch that the game's community manager has issued a public apology to players on the Blizzard forums. Quote, First off, we want to say we're sorry to those of you who didn't have the experience you wanted. And we'd like to share our plans for what's coming next. Uh, he continued to went, go on. Uh, Randy Jordan continued in a lengthy post. Where basically he went on to detail several focuses of future patches the studio will be issuing for the Faulty game. Yeah. Including fixing the visuals in classic mode. Undoing animation and audio bugs. UI corrections, and improving leaderboards and clans. The full patch notes uh, will be available at a later date, when the first patch is scheduled to arrive later this week. Okay, so I have a question for you about this. I want to get your your, your uh, feelings. Answer. Is this, one, a further example of Jess Blizzard dropping the ball one thing after another, or, alternatively... And I guess it could be a combination of these two things. Is this another example of the fans being so butthurt about every single decision that Blizzard makes that they make a huge deal out of, a, like, a, a mountain out of a molehill? Which do you think it more is? I want to go with a little bit of both. <laughs> a little but, column A and a little bit column B. I would say that. That's the politician <laughs> and me speaking. Right. I'm going to go more so with this is Blizzard's fault. 
Okay. This is Blizzard's fault for making it buggy, and this is Blizzard's fault <laughs> for not giving the fans exactly what they want. So what's but, happening over there then? Why do you think they keep running into the issues like this? This is because they don't want you playing classic <laughs> World of Warcraft. They want you playing new World of well, Warcraft. this is World of Warcraft. This is Warcraft 3. Right. This is a different thing. Okay. So... <laughs> This is the thing. They know they clearly do want you to be playing this one. You yes. know why? Because apparently fans are pissed off that they they merged the the server for the old Warcraft three mm-hmm. and the new Warcraft three, and apparently got rid of a bunch of shit that people relied on from the original version. So there's all sorts of layers to this mess. Is that is all decisions that Blizzard made? Well, see, the question then is: if we do think it is on Blizzard, why are they making these poor decisions? Well, didn't Blizzard already put out a classic version? You're thinking of they put out a classic uh, version of World of Warcraft, right? This is not that. This okay. is a cla- this is a remaster of Warcraft Three. See, I, I'm getting confused here. <laughs> yeah, it's confusing. I know. Uh, because they are basically going through all of their old catalog and mm-hmm. just making old stuff new. Almost as if they need filler before their next big game is out, Diablo 4, next year. Later this year? Maybe later this Maybe year. Maybe later this year. So, yeah, like, I just, my quest, I just, I'm struggling with this because, like, they can't be this messed up. The culture over there can't have gone this downhill where they can't even pull off something that should be an easy nostalgia win, like a remaster of a classic game. They can't even do that now. They somehow mess up every single step they've. The do like every single step in this process of trying to win their fans back. I think they put too much of a deadline <laughs> on putting the stuff together when Maybe. they clearly shouldn't, or the code that they have is just so originally broken. So broken that they needed to that they needed to fix they it. Felt like they needed to make it modern, and that pissed everybody off. Yeah. So the question is: is uh, then the next question? Then I guess is: Do you think that? Diablo and the upcoming Overwatch 2, are those going to be big enough? Are those going to matter enough where the fans will be back on their good graces? Or do you think maybe we're seeing the maybe the Twilight era of Blizzard as fans stop like being in love with them? I think you might be seeing the end of Blizzard. An end of an era, I at think... least of Red Blizzard. They no longer are going to be this beloved can do no wrong company and will now become, oh, it's these guys. Right, and I think this becomes part of the problem with uh, an eSports league. Yeah. Is that you can't continuously run the same game, like Overwatch, mm-hmm. for 50 plus years. <laughs> much like you can do with a professional sport. Right. It's video games are different. Right. Video games evolve yeah. over time. And yes... You can say sports evolve over time with new rules and new ways of thinking, but the end game is still essentially the same. It's not like you have a new release of baseball. Yeah, it's not baseball 2 coming out next year. Yeah, Right. Exactly. I mean, it's not like XFL. (laughs) I need a baseball 2 as things are going right now. But we are getting a football 2. We're getting the XFL. The XFL um, the following Sunday. I'll yep. report about that later. I'm, oh, I'm wow. actually going to do might do a fantasy football on that. <laughs> you told me about that. I told you I'm totally in. <laughs> yeah, it might just be a six-team league or an eight-team league. That's funny. Uh, but 
it's definitely an interesting dynamic going on at Blizzard. I think mm-hmm. once we have the merger with Activision, I think that is kind of like the turning point where they got so big that they became more corporate than more yeah. personable. So that's complicated, though, because if you actually like look back into the history of that, one, it wasn't really a merger, nor was it a buyout. It was kind of like the just the course of companies changing hands. Mm-hmm. So I guess whatever holding company that had bought Blizzard in the really early days, in like the late 90s, early, early 90s. Uh, the holding company? They ended up being bought by Vivendi. Vivendi had the Blizzard, uh, like, like basically was their owner up until Vivendi in the two, mid-2000s decided to divest from video games. Mm-hmm. And then that's when, basically, they sold all of their assets to Activision. The video game assets to Activision. So it wasn't necessarily like a buyout or a merger. It was more like a dump. It, it was more like, we don't things. want this anymore. Here's a giant company that's buying, like, that'll take it. And that's kind of, but yeah, you're not wrong though, that corporate, like the corporate, corporate structure as more and more of the, um, big names mm-hmm. of Blizzard that used to be the people you associate with the brand have left. You probably do have those holes being filled by Activision personnel. Right. And yeah, the question is, is how much of these decisions are being made by those people as opposed to the people who used to be the shepherds of the brand. So that's definitely a theory. That could be the cause of all this. Well, who knows? I mean, it's also... Yeah, sure, it's a cause, but it's also not a solution either. No. I mean, the clear it, solution is yeah. bring in fresh ideas. Don't keep making sequel after sequel. Except that's all they've Except, ever done. They've, the last time they put out an original IP was Overwatch. Yeah. And that's like the rare... Ver- like the rare Right, and instance. even then, that was within the past five years... And that was like a 10-year gap. And even then, apparently that was all came out at the end of a very long development cycle for an MMO that didn't even happen. Right. All the Overwatch assets and characters and stuff were developed for a thing that never got made originally. So, yeah. Yeah. Blizzard's a mess, basically, is the end of the story. And, like, yeah, we have no idea why they just keep putting their, their shoe back into the mud over and over and over again. So... We'll see what happens. All right. Next up. Next up, then, is um, Rockstar Games. Because I saw this bouncing around. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. So, Dan Hauser. Yes. Is leaving Rockstar. Yes. uh, Departing the studio after what parent company Take Two described as an extended break that began back in spring of 2019. (laughs) The former vice president of create of creative at Rockstar Games will put his will put in his last day with the company on March 11th. That date sounds familiar. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, Dan Hauser is one half of the Hauser Brothers. Yes, a pair of game developers who have led many of Rockstar's creative efforts since Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah, uh, San Andreas. Uh, the original. Original. Grand, Grand, Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah. Okay. And then also the sequels. Right. Well, <laughs> they frequently worked alongside producer and former Rockstar North president, Leslie Benzies, <laughs> yes. who left Rockstar Benz. back in 2016. <laughs> I think we talked about that on this podcast. Yes, we did. The Benz. 
The Benz, parting with <laughs> Rockstar, included a lawsuit over allegedly unpaid royalties. Yeah. But there's no indication so far that Dan Hauser is leaving on negative terms with the company. Uh, so, uh, this is... Yeah, short and sweet. Short and sweet. Rockstar's yeah. moving on. Uh, but what a legacy. Yeah, one, what a legacy. Like, he definitely made an impact there creatively with the direction that the GTA series mm-hmm. went in. And also Red Dead, which he worked on as well. Yep. Um, but also, this kind of leaves it open to interpretation. Like, what's next for Rockstar? They've had such incredible success with GTA Online recently that maybe they don't need creative leads for a narrative-based game anymore. Well, I mean, as Rockst- as Rockstar, as GTA Online and Red Dead Redemption Online have proven that... Yeah. They make money hand over fist, mm-hmm. day in, month out, yearly, in the billions. So, yeah. So, the question is, is that do they make another traditional GTA after this? Or do they pull a valve and realize that the money is in the recurring revenue and not the creative, narrative-driven works? We'll see. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're going to be one to like open up their own platform. They already did. They opened up the Rockstar Store, remember? No. We reported on this. We did? Yes, they have their own store that does have their own games. Right now it's just their own titles. Maybe that's why... But they said that they would be open to exploring... Um, like third, like other developers. Yeah, but products. then this happened right after Riot. It was right before Riot, but then Riot, like, basically got all the IPs. No, you're thinking Epic, not Riot. Epic. Epic Store is the yeah. other one. Isn't Epic? So Riot? it was similar. It was around the same time. It was yeah. like after the Epic Store stuff, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh, we got one too." But like I said, so far it's only really been used for their own stuff. Yeah. But the fact that they even opened it in the first place means that they're considering these other uh, sources of revenue. So that is an evolving company, and who knows what Rockstar is going to be lo- looking like by the uh, time we get into this next generation. Uh, I don't know. Be, I don't see them making games because they don't need to. They, but I think they will make a GTA. Will there be a GTA Six? You think per cycle, per console cycle now? Okay. Oh, it's just so that there's a new place to go to GTA Online. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Otherwise, what are you going to do? Remake GTA Five again? Again, yeah. <laughs> we will certainly yeah. see. Uh, well, That's do it. you have any uh, thoughts on anything else? I, mean, I talked about my thought earlier that I finished my uh, uh, the show nineteen season finally. Okay. Uh, and I gonna... may do XFL fantasy football. Yeah. Maybe. Other uh, than that, I've just been playing Call of Duty more. Um, oh, I did I did become Pokemon League champion. Yay, you did it. Yes, and then I met the dudes with the weird hair. Yep, that's all you need that's all you need to do. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Did you, you battle tower yet? Uh no, not yet. Did you pick up the Charmander? I did not pick up the Charmander. Wow, you're the second person I know. <laughs> I didn't. You know where to get it? I, I mean, if it was happening I totally missed it. You can still go pick him up. It's the first thing I did because I didn't know where so I didn't know where to go. <laughs> so I figured, oh, I'm gonna go say hi to Hop. Yeah. Let me go to his house. Yeah. Oh shit, he's not here. Oh wait, there's a Pokeball here <laughs> with a Charmander inside. Well, what do you know? So if you want to go pick one up, that's where you got to go. Right. Well, I might pick that back up in a little bit here. Yeah. Well, because I picked him up and then just immediately leveled him up to Charizard. Cause, like, Hell yeah! Because I stuck him in and then started fighting level 60 Pokemon. I was like, XP share! Nice. Instant. <laughs> Instant Charmeleon. Gigantamax Charizard. 
No. No? Gigantamax Waylord. Way- Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he's already huge. Yeah, you think he's huge now. Uh, also do Gigantamax Snorlax, because he's also yeah, pretty huge. Oh, yeah, no, I love Gigantamax Snorlax. He's got, like, a city on him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's it for video games. All right. Plug away. That's it for Media Bowl Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We will be back next week with another episode of the Media Bowl Podcast. If you want to watch us live, YouTube.com. Search Media Bowl Podcast. You'll find our channel. Like, subscribe, click the bell. You'll get notifications if you do that of when we go live. We usually go live around 6.30 or a little earlier in the case of this week. We'll be back. Uh, so, yeah, we're also in audio form. If you want to find us on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, just search Media Bowl Podcast and find our archive of shows. If you want to see us play video games live, we're on twitch.tv slash mediaboat sometimes playing video games. You can also find us on social media networks such as Twitter. We're at mediaboatcast. Facebook, search mediaboat podcast, find our page. You can comment <laughs> there as well. You can email us questions and comments at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, certainly not least, you can go to patreon.com slash mediaboat there. You can donate to us. This is not a free enterprise. We do need money to host the podcast. So your donations could help us make this show even better. As little as a dollar a month can help us out. So mm-hmm. please consider donating at patreon.com slash mediaboat. And with that, we leave you. Enjoy the Academy Awards on Sunday. Let our picks influence your, uh, your bets. Don't really... And I'm going to stop this recording because we hit two hours. All right. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Bye. Cool.